Hello and welcome to Mindfulness with My Mum, a mindfulness podcast with me and my mum. Hello and welcome to Mindfulness with My Mum, a mindfulness podcast uh, with me, Laura, and my mum, Mandy. And welcome to our very first episode uh, where we're going to discuss problems that people have with mindfulness, getting started with mindfulness. Uh, some of the pitfalls that we we sort of run into when we try to start a practice uh, and I think I I don't have a, a lot of relevant experience I've done a little bit of mindfulness but I think you're the expert so I'll uh, let you take it away and tell us a little bit about your your background. Okay thank you well I'm Mandy um, I'm Laura's mum and I'm in my late 50s and I've been practicing mindfulness and other uh, relevant practices for the last 10 years now so um, I've used them for anxiety and depression mainly for helping with those Um, I've used mindfulness self-compassion gratitude practice and also loving kindness practice known as meta that's m-e-t-t-a meta um, yes, and I see all those practices really as a, a sort of gym and a spa for the mind. Hmm. Can you remember where you first sort of heard about mindfulness or how you first got into it? Um, yes, I, I think I heard about it from a friend. Um, and where I was living at the time didn't have any mindfulness um, teachers. But then I moved to um, to a different area. And one of the first things I did when I moved to that area was Googled a local mindfulness practitioner and found a mindfulness-based stress reduction course, which, um, which was an eight-week course, which I did and was pretty much sold on it after that, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Um, it was there where I learned about the John Kabat-Zinn's definition of mindfulness, which is that it's awareness that arises through paying attention on purpose in the present moment and without judgment. So basically, it's intentionally being in the here and now without judging. So no good or bad experience. It's just basically just as it is. Yeah, I think that's it's so the opposite of a lot of what we're encouraged to do nowadays. You know, you should always be thinking ahead and and planning. And um, I think we're really encouraged to have an opinion a lot of the time, even when we don't really need to. Um, and and to always be reacting to things. Yes, I think mindfulness is very much about not not ruminating on the past, not anticipating the future, but just appreciating the here and now in the present moment um yes and and again just to reiterate there is no no good or bad experience in with mindfulness it's just just as it is that moment unfolding without judging it and what do you think are the main benefits that you've got from that sort of practice um i think it's helped me to manage stress mm-hmm. and um and it's helped me to react in a much wiser way when I'm triggered by something. Mm. Then I can have a little bit of space now just to say, oh, well, actually, no, I'm not I'm not going to just have a knee-jerk reaction to that. Um, I'll just think it through um, just in, in a few split seconds, really, and just respond in what would be a much more appropriate way. 
bit in a calmer way or for example if you're in a meeting and something triggers you then um, just gives you the opportunity just to um, just to really respond skillfully rather than reacting yeah yeah I think that's definitely a good skill uh, <laughs> I, I was driving earlier and somebody tried to change lanes in front of me without looking and I my initial reaction was to get really angry but that, that probably wouldn't have helped the situation at all so I think there are definitely a lot of situations where that's that's applicable yes that's a very good example yes yes driving's driving's definitely something that uh that people tend to react rather than respond in a in a thoughtful manner. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think that's true. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and I think one thing to note as well is that it's not just uh, a sort of emotional, um, obviously people do have a sort of emotional and mental uh, reaction to sort of long-term mindfulness practice, but we were discussing that it, it changes the brain um that's right yes people may have heard of neuroplasticity where over time sustained meditation has been proved to actually change the patterns within your brain mm. so which is quite incredible when you think about it um and so it does change the way over time that you react to to certain stimuli um it can change um the shape of parts of the brain so that you're not triggered quite so easily, can actually increase the density of other parts of the brain um, so that your executive functioning becomes much better. Um, so, yes, it's, uh, it's quite, quite incredible what, what it's been proved to do, and it's been scientifically proven now. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of articles about neuroplasticity, and we may address it in a future podcast episode. Absolutely. Hopefully we can get somebody a little bit smarter than us on to explain it. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you think it's something that, that everyone can benefit from? Is it something um, that you would recommend to anyone? I think um, I think what I, I should say is that it's not necessarily suitable for everybody. Um, sometimes it just doesn't work for you, but there are also... Um, times where it's not recommended so for example with psychosis or severe trauma mindfulness might not be the best um, the best approach there are other alternatives such as cognitive behavioral therapy dialectical behavior therapy um, compassion focused therapy but in, in all these instances I would say that you should consult a medical practitioner um, so just just to be clear on that yeah absolutely yeah yeah well I think uh for for most people um there's probably some some benefit to to finding some sort of practice um I think so yes yeah. so a regular practice and I think as you mentioned earlier quite often people find it difficult either to get started or once they get started to just keep it going yeah um, quite often they come up against different barriers to to keeping a practice going and that's really what we're going to address today yeah yeah I uh, mm. recently had a conversation with my husband and he said that he'd like to try mindfulness and he thought it would be good for him but he well he had a sort of list of reasons why why he hadn't given it a go yet um and I've run into some of my own you know I, I should really do more mindfulness um 
So I think one of the main things that people say is that they just don't have time. Mm. And I think yeah, that's, this is that's a... a common issue for, you know, I don't have time for the gym. I don't have time to, to budget. I don't have time for all these things. That's right. That's a very, very common one. Um, and one thing I would say is that some practices can actually be very short, um, literally a minute or so just while you're sitting at your desk or mm. um, or just sat in a traffic jam or something. You can obviously not a deep um, formal mindfulness practice, but there are certain practices that you can do um, that, that don't take very long. Um, and for longer formal practices, it's important really to actually ring fence some time in your calendar so that um, so that you set some time aside for yourself um, and, and also let people know not to disturb you during that time. And it's sensible. It's part of a self-care plan. You know, if you were going to exercise your body, you would set time aside to go to the gym. And in the same way, if you're going to exercise and train your mind, you need to set some time aside to do some formal practice. Um, and self-care is important. You, um, you've probably heard the story about when you're on a plane and the oxygen masks come down, that it's very important that you put the mask on yourself first before yeah. you try and help somebody else. And that's often used in, as an example with mindfulness and, and self-compassion as well. Yeah. But, um, it's important to take care of yourself so that you you're fit enough to take care of others as well. I think that's a great point. Uh, I think uh, I'm not a parent myself, but I think that a lot of parents find it difficult to do things like this for themselves or anyone who cares for another person because they feel like they should always be there for somebody else. But like you say, you, you can't fully be there unless you're taking care of yourself and, and you deserve it as well, you know. Exactly, exactly. And um, it can help so that you don't burn yourself out basically yeah 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 I think a, a while ago I wish I could remember where I saw this as well but somebody was discussing uh this problem of saying they don't have enough time for things and they said instead of saying you don't have enough time say that that's not your priority right now because things that are your priority you'll find the time and sometimes if you say you know going to the gym isn't my priority right now maybe it's not and that's fine but if you think oh my mental health isn't my priority right now it might help you rethink actually what you do want to focus your time on that's great that's really good yes yeah it's a, it's a different way of looking at things it is that's good I like that yeah so say I want to start a new mindfulness practice and I have carved out 20 minutes every afternoon and I'm going to sit down and meditate but I live in the middle of the city and there's not an obvious place for me to go and, you know, sit in a beautiful cave <laughs> away from everything. Um, right. What sort of suggestions would you have for people who say they don't have a good space to meditate? Um, I guess, first of all, you don't necessarily need a full um, space to meditate in. You can have just a chair that you associate with your practice um, or you can maybe have some things around that um, that you like to um, that you like to have with you when you meditate so perhaps a, a meditation stool or I've got a, a meditation bowl that you'll hear later um, just start my practice with that 
and that sound I associate with meditation. Um, so you don't have to have a dedicated space for a formal practice. It's it's not essential. Um, it's nice if you can, but um, I would say just have something, just to have that time and space carved out is enough. Okay. So do you think it's beneficial to um, to have a sort of specific place that you go, even if it's not purely dedicated to mindfulness? Maybe it's you go and sit in a specific chair in the garden, or is it just plonk yourself down wherever at a certain time <laughs> um, I think it's whatever practical and what what works for you really if you like to have the same place then that's great but if if it's not practical then just just do it where you, where you can when you can mm, yeah. yeah yeah and so what if the only place you have is really busy it's not conducive to relaxation and mindful thinking Right. Well, if there's other people there, uh, I think, as I mentioned earlier, it's worth saying to them, look, this is my meditation time. It's just 15, 20 minutes, whatever. Can you keep the noise down? But other things that you can do is when you do a formal practice, you could actually focus on sounds um, and use them as the object of your attention. And this is something we'll be looking at later when you do a practice where you have an object of focus um, that might be your breath it might be the, the sensation in your feet or it might be just the sounds that you can hear around you so mm. you can use them if they're there yeah mm. something that people might find helpful as well is just to get a pair of earplugs <laughs> um that's a good one <laughs> yeah you can you can get some now that are sort of noise dampening instead of uh completely shutting out all noise which uh, I use and I find them quite helpful just day to day so if you mm. if you find that it's loud maybe just putting on a pair of noise cancelling headphones or something yeah. yeah yeah you don't need a sort of you don't need silence you don't need no no, no. and if um, if you're doing a guided meditation then you may well have earphones in anyway if you're listening to somebody else guide oh, you for meditation. Yeah. But if you're doing your own silent meditation, then yes, the mm. um, that, that would help. Okay, so I've got my 20 minutes carved out and right. I've found a nice chair to sit in and right. um, my husband's taking the dog out so it's nice and quiet. But mm -hmm. now my mind won't be quiet. Okay, well, that's what minds do. They don't. <laughs> they don't like like to be quiet for too long. Usually, mm. um, it, it's quite a common misconception actually with mindfulness that you're looking for this completely calm mind in a Zen state where um, where you don't have any thoughts at all. Um, mm. Really, with mindfulness, it's more about actually being aware of your thoughts, noticing them. Yeah. Um, perhaps noticing what type of thoughts they are, whether they're thoughts about something that have happened or worries about something that's likely to happen, um, or whether it's just, what am I doing sat here? You can yeah. have all sorts of different different thoughts. But, um, but with mindfulness, really, you just acknowledge them and let them go and just return back to the object of focus. But it's it's perfectly normal for your mind to just just go off on a tangent and the important thing is to then notice that and bring it back to the object of attention and that's almost like a, an exercise at the gym exercising a muscle where you're actually exercising your attention to come back 
to what it is that you intended to focus on in the first place. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, maybe you go to the gym so that you can run a mile without getting tired, but you don't expect to run a mile without getting tired the first day. You you build on it and you build on that skill, don't you? That's right. Yeah. Okay. So so I'm I'm partway through my practice and my my mind, you know, I, my mind's drifting and I'm bringing it back. And uh, to be honest, it's just a bit boring. I'm bored. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here in silence. I could be watching Netflix right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that's that's true. And you don't always feel like doing it. And it's it again, it's a little bit like the gym. Sometimes you go to the gym and you're just just not feeling it. You just don't want to be there, don't want to be doing it. Um, what I would say, say is that you need to practice to see the benefits. Mm. And so you have to to really sit even when you don't feel like sitting Um, maybe do a slightly shorter practice Um, but don't don't go in with the intention that you're going to enjoy every single meditation because it's just not like that life's not like that so yeah yeah it's lovely to to finish a meditation and feel relaxed and ready for the day but sometimes you're like oh (laughs) I'm in a really crap mood and now I've just thought for the last five minutes about how crap my mood is but Mm-hmm. I think you're right that it's it's like any um skill um that you you want to practice and get better at sometimes it doesn't go the way we want it to that's right that you you just have to put the put the hours in or put the minutes in basically yeah and do you think doing more informal practices can help as well to try and build those skills without always needing to sit down and do a a good deep meditation yes I think so um it's probably worth mentioning a bit about the difference between formal and informal practice so with a formal practice that is very much when you've ring fenced some time and have sat down to do a specific meditation or a specific practice um but you um you can find really that um that doing something as simple as washing the dishes can become a mindfulness practice mm. so that as you do it you you're there in the here and now you you can feel the warm water on your hands you notice the sensations you can feel the bubbles you're aware of what you're doing you're noticing that you're cleaning the dishes and that in itself is a mindfulness practice yeah um, yeah Absolutely. yeah um, and also perhaps maybe at work if you're in a meeting Mm. and somebody says something that triggers you rather than respond immediately maybe just think to yourself ah okay I feel that I've been triggered just put that little bit of space between you and the trigger Mm -hmm. and it just gives you a second to just think about how you're going to respond in a slightly a slightly more appropriate way perhaps yeah and what do you mean by a trigger is is that someone just something that upsets you or it is it could be somebody that that you don't like that just manages to rub you up the wrong way or it can be a particular topic that comes up that's quite sensitive for you so mm-hmm. anything that you feel yourself reacting to yeah. can be a trigger yes interesting yeah mm. now one of my favorite uh, informal practices is out walking the dog and focusing on my feet on the ground and what I can hear and what my dog's doing rather than 
hurrying through it and thinking, oh, I want to get home, I can eat dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's lovely. That's great. And I think that's what, uh, that's interesting what you said about doing the dishes um, and being mindful. I think sometimes we don't want to be mindful. Sometimes we, if we're feeling uncomfortable or upset, we want to be distracted. We want to scroll through Facebook for hours on end. We don't want to be aware and be mindful. Um, how do you fix that? That's <laughs> yes, no, that's true. And the, there's many different reasons why you may be feeling uncomfortable. Um, it could be a physical discomfort, so that um, that actually perhaps sitting isn't isn't a very comfortable experience for you, um, or even lying down. Um, and an alternative for that is you could do a standing practice or a walking meditation practice um, just to keep the body moving and so that you're not sat in a a stiff upright position for too long and some people find that that really helps Um, as well as physical discomfort you may have um, mental discomfort so perhaps difficulty being with your thoughts Um, sometimes thoughts can be very uncomfortable um, if that's the case, if they become too uncomfortable, then I would say actually stop the practice that you're doing. Yeah. Just check in with yourself, just feet on the floor, feeling grounded, um, open your eyes for the practice. And again, if that's something that you find happening to you, again, it might be worth just consulting a medical practitioner if yeah. you find your thoughts are very disturbing. Um, but on the whole, it you will come up against some uncomfortable thoughts it's inevitable Mm. Um, and the trick is really just to to notice them and then go back to the focus of attention yeah I think I Mm. think you're right that sometimes um it can be an indication that maybe meditation isn't the best for you right now but I think for a lot of people we need to be a bit more comfortable with being uncomfortable and with being bored and with having thoughts that we don't really like uh just personally I find sometimes if something stresses me out trying to avoid it and distract myself and do something else can be quite unhelpful and actually sitting down and letting myself have those thoughts is really the best way to work through it as much Mm -hmm. as we don't want to do that (laughs) yes and sometimes what you do find is that those thoughts will peak Mm. and as you sit with them they will start to to then fade slightly yes so so that's that's quite common and especially with some of the techniques you mentioned where you might want to sort of label or categorize your thoughts and say that's me planning ahead or that's me being you know overly critical or whatever or uh, Or catastrophizing catastrophizing one of my favorites mind reading is my worst I think I'm right or such and such is thinking this about me well no they're they're probably not (laughs) (laughs) Uh, another one that I saw was to um see your thoughts and your feelings in the third person so I might if I'm really getting upset and stressed about something if I have burnt the dinner um and I feel like I've ruined everything and I've gotten really upset just saying something like Laura's very upset that she burned the dinner helps me uh come out of that moment a little bit and just recognize the thought a bit more neutrally yes yes 
and is 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 feeling upset as opposed to is upset because it doesn't True. define you yeah. it's a feeling and feelings come and go it doesn't mm -hmm. define you yeah absolutely mm. okay so i've i've just about made it through my first mindfulness practice and um maybe i enjoyed it maybe i found it difficult and stressful um but I think one of the barriers that I always come up against is keeping that sustained practice uh, and making a habit of it. Because it's something that it's quite nice to sit down and do when we're already feeling good um, and wanting to be peaceful. But it's difficult to keep up any any sort of new habit, isn't it? It is. Yes. Um, and it takes a while to to create a new habit. I can't remember exactly how many days it is now. I think I've heard 28 days, but I think it may actually be longer than and that mm -hmm. to create a new habit yeah. um but um but the, there might be different reasons why you're not um not sustaining the practice um so it could be um it could be that you don't want to or you don't just don't feel like it mm -hmm. now that could be um it could be that it's not for you um but it's worth considering that maybe have you got some particular resistance to doing the practice, to actually sitting down and doing this. Um, perhaps there's um, some issues or some thoughts that you particularly don't want to address. Um, or another common thing is maybe you just don't feel like you deserve to spend that time on yourself. And this is back to self-care and realising the importance of, of taking that time out for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So how, how do you think uh, we could sort of keep ourselves to it um I know that one thing I like to do when I am sort of trying to get into any new habit or routine is to try and fit in as much as I can with what I already do so if you are if you like I mentioned if you want to get up early and do a mindfulness exercise and the alarm goes off and you're like I hate getting up early why did I do this if you stay up <laughs> late do it at night time you don't have to do a practice first thing, although you might find it helpful before work. It doesn't have to be. So sort of finding what works for you, I think, is helpful. Or what about you? What do you think has helped you keep a sort of steady practice? Um, I think, yes, finding a time that, that works best for me. Um, and and also believing in the um, the fact that over time you do change and mm. you can change and that you you need to sustain the practice but not beating yourself up for if you miss a day then not saying oh well I've wasted it I'm back to square one that's fine just just pick up again the next day and yeah. start from there um, if you've only got five minutes to do a practice that day that's fine you don't have to commit to 20 30 minutes every day just do a short practice. It's better than doing no practice at all. Um, one thing is if you if you can't stay motivated, it might be worth looking at having a mindfulness buddy a bit in the same way that you'd have a gym buddy. Oh. So um, so somebody that, that you maybe follow perhaps a particular program in a book or an app or something, and then you can compare notes together. And so that make, gives you a little bit more incentive um and also if you just find you don't always enjoy it I would say that really you have to adopt a non-judgmental attitude 
because it's not always going to be good. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time, like the gym, isn't it? You're not always going to beat your personal best at the gym. Exactly. Exactly. And different days you feel different and that can affect how your practice goes. Um, but there isn't a good or a bad meditation. Mm. It's just what it is. Um, sometimes it's calm and chilled. Um, other times your mind may be very busy, um, but you're still doing the practice and that's that's what matters. That's a great point that even if your mind's very busy that day, it doesn't mean that you've you've failed that meditation. I think even yeah. even when that happens, it's helpful to say, gosh, I'm, I'm really distracted and upset today and being aware and giving yourself a bit of a bit of leeway if that's the case. Yeah. And then maybe a bit of self-care and self-compassion afterwards. Yeah. 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 Just saying, what do I need now to take care of myself? Mm. Yeah. And maybe the mindfulness practice will help you identify what it is that you're actually thinking about and feeling. And even if it's a bit uncomfortable, maybe you'll find something, uh, a way to sort of work forward through that. That's right. Yes. Okay. So is, are there any other um, sort of tips that you would have to to keep a good practice? Um, I think we've covered most of the points, really what... Um, what I'd like to do is recommend perhaps an, an app and a book that people might be interested in yeah. um, and also to follow our podcast as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We've, we've got a lot of topics for the upcoming weeks. We have. Um, so first of all, I'd like to recommend an app which is called Insight Timer. That's I-N-S-I-G-H-T Timer. I think that's all one word. Mm-hmm. Um, they have guided practices on there of varying length. Um, you can also do silent practices. They have a timer with bells you can set at certain intervals. Um, and you can have ambient sounds with that as well, like um, like a fire crackling or waves or rain. So that's quite a nice as a background sound. So people might want to experiment with Insight Timer. There are some paid um, meditations on there and courses. Um, and there are some that are just by donations, but there are plenty of free ones as well. And it can ask you things like, um, how's your mood today? And so you check in with it and it might make some suggestions for some short or slightly longer meditations that you might like to do. Great. So that's that's an app. Um, as an, an introductory book that I'd recommend, I'd highly recommend, and it was one of the first books I read around mindfulness, is calling is called Mindfulness: A Practical Guide to Finding Peace in a Frantic World, and it's by Mark Williams and Danny Penman. Um, it's been around quite a long time now, this book, but it has a series of guided meditations in it. And it also helps you follow an eight week mindfulness based cognitive therapy course, if that's something that interests you. Um, it's really geared towards um, stress relief and um, helping people with anxiety. So yeah, I think that can be really helpful for people as well to say, right, here's an eight week course. Um, I think if there's an end date, even if you're going to continue doing meditation and sticking with mindfulness afterwards, it's helpful to have that sort of goal in sight, isn't it? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Great. And we can put the details of um, of the app and 
and that book in the show notes as well so people can find them great Great. so we've uh we've discussed quite a lot of why people might struggle to to get into mindfulness and maybe people now are inspired to to have a little mindful practice of their own so you have recorded a meditation for us um about your uh, sort of bringing focus um do you want to tell us a little bit about that before we before we give it a lesson yes, about the show sure basically one of the the first mindfulness practices that you learn is some um, is focusing your attention on something on an object or what we call an anchor mm-hmm. and it may be something physical like the sensations in your feet you're not thinking about your feet you're actually noticing the sensations in your feet or a different part of your body mm-hmm. um, or you may be focusing attention on the breath um, that may be an object of attention not everybody likes focusing on the breath Um, So in this meditation, I've given options for focusing either on the breath or on the feet, just so that people can can choose which which one suits them best and maybe try different ones and see which which works best for people. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. I think sometimes people can try a meditation or a certain type of practice and not enjoy it. but not realize that there are alternatives. So I think uh, breathing is quite a common one. There are a lot of different breathing practices and it can definitely be very helpful. But I find sometimes if I'm already a bit anxious, focusing on my breath, which is maybe a bit anxious, actually isn't going to help me. And focusing on something like my feet on the ground is is a much better option. That's right. Yes. Um, Also, it gives you the option to do the meditation, standing up and gently walking. Um, again for people that might find it uncomfortable to sit it's only a short practice but even so you can do it as a walking meditation as well wonderful well thank you very much for for taking the time to record that for us and I hope everybody enjoys uh, whether this is your first practice or you are trying to get back into it or whether you are an absolute mindfulness guru I'm sure you'll enjoy Uh, thank you for joining us for the episode and we will speak to you next week Right, thank you. There now follows a short mindfulness practice, a focus meditation. This practice focuses the mind on an anchor, such as the breath. The intention is to focus awareness And when you find that your mind has wandered, gently bring your attention back to the object of focus. There are various options for this practice. The first option is to sit focusing on the breath, noticing it either in your belly or on your nostrils. Now, if you prefer not to focus on your breath, then focus on the soles of your feet flat on the floor. So you sit in the chair. Finally, if you prefer not to sit, then walk slowly, placing one foot in front of the other, noticing the sensations on the soles of your feet. So choose one of these options and we are ready to start our practice as long as it is safe for you to do so.
So taking your position, either sitting forward in the chair, feet flat on the floor with a dignified posture and eyes closed. Or if you choose to walk, then standing with feet flat on the floor with your gaze downwards, slowly starting to walk. And now, bring your attention to your anchor, either the breath or the soles of your feet, noticing when your mind wanders and bringing your attention back to your anchor. Just checking in to see where your mind is at. If your mind has wandered to maybe ruminating or planning or an imaginary conversation, then just note that and gently bring your attention back to either your breath or the soles of your feet. And just noticing whether you're still present with your anchor in the here and now. And if necessary, shifting the focus of your attention back to your breath or your feet. Noticing now where your focus of attention is. If your mind has wandered, that's okay. That's what the mind does. And gently return to your anchor. Now we are coming to the end of our practice, starting to become aware of your surroundings, any sounds you can hear, and gradually opening your eyes if they're closed. Take a deep breath and breathe out, noticing what you can see around you. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your day.